All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Daddy long that game. And shout out to Red Light Crew. Hey, you're one of 12 listeners of the Real Life Podcast. Yeah, you know what, the, to define that uh, uh, better, um, I think the key there is... Uh, I just lost my trend of thought. All right, here we go. Episode 138 of Nation Real Life. I'm Tyler Rumchuk. Wanya's in here. Chalmers in here. Beg Milk's in here. We got another special guest, and I'll get to him in a minute. Because you remember that episode of Big Brother a few weeks ago where the episode started live and Julie was like, you are not going to believe what's been going on in this house. And everything happened like right before the episode. That's us right now with this whole Chumgate thing. Um, it's been building up for a week. Jay's now left the country. Chalmers has now brought in a witness and it's going to be some sort of weird court thing going on in here. I still don't even really know what's going on and it's kind of <laughs> driving me nuts. But if you've missed Chumgate up to this point, here's kind of what happened. Chalmers joined this fishing derby. He wins it two of his five years, but in one of the years, it's contested because there's been accusations of someone chumming the water, and they say that's how Chalmers was able to win. It's been a shit show now for about two episodes whenever we bring this thing up. Um, Jay was accusing Chalmers when he wasn't here, and now Jay's not here, so Chalmers wants a little bit of revenge, so he's brought in Sean Lavin. I said that right, right, Sean? Yes, you did, yeah. All right, so Sean is the only ever five-time Angler Cup champion. He's also one of the people who has been co-accused with Chalmers. He in, is the co-accusant, yep. In, co-defendant. In, 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 in the Chumgate incident. He's the holder of the record for most career catches as well with 315 fishes. Sean, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. Also known as Jerry Macaroni. Yeah, that's okay. Jerry Macaroni from the last one we were talking about. So to give you a little bit of a heads up as to who exactly he is, um, when I first started fishing, I was on his boat. 
And that was when Jay said that I would, you know, constantly beg to be on this person's boat because they were the best fisherman in the derby. Well, his boat was the only one that had a, spl- a spot on it. Anyways, I've fished with him every year. I learned his techniques. He's the best. I don't even use his techniques, but he is the best fisherman in our fishing derby. And, uh, you know, when we went out in the year in question of Chumgate, um, it was me and him on the boat with the new guy, the guy that we call the new guy, who is the guy to have said to have gone, you know, after the derby and say they really started to bite when we were chumming. They really started to bite once we chummed, which I don't remember him saying, but this is what started the whole shit show known as Chumgate. Now, before you interview Lavin, Wanya here in the mic, Chalmers, I want to give a little bit more context too. Yeah. So if you have a crew of buddies, you've got like your shady index for your friends and some of your friends are shady and you're like, you know what? I wouldn't necessarily lend that guy $1,000 and expect to see it next Thursday. Then you've got the far end of the spectrum where guys like Lavin are on, where if, if Lavin says you've done something wrong, you, you crumble because his morals and his Absolutely. ethics are so good. Absolutely. Similarly, if he says nothing's wrong, I would tend to believe him because he's a very ethical man. Yes. So you're thinking about your boys at home, your buddies, and you're like, oh yeah, I got that buddy who's like not shady. He's a very reputable man, business owner, lives life by the book, straight edge fellow. That's the character of the man we're dealing with today. Yeah, and so what we're going to do with him right now is I'm going to let him I'm going to let him just talk. I'm not going to basically steer him in any direction. We haven't taught he is not a man that's going to be swayed to one way or another. He's going to tell you the way that it is, the way that he sees it, and you know, that's all I wanted from this. And so to give it one last little bit before he starts, the year before Chumgate, I won with 11 fish and I I killed it. The next year, me the new guy and Jerry Macaroni, a.k.a. Sean Lavin, were on a boat together. Sean Lavin won that year with 20 fish. The new guy came in, uh, sorry, yeah, the new guy came in second with 19, and I came in third with 18. Uh, our friend who hosts the derby came in fourth, and it, it bit him. It, it hurt him that he came in fourth to this boat. Anyways, this is where I'm going to let Lavin take it from here. He's got, a, he's got some stuff prepared. I would like you to tell us, Lavin, in your opinion, how did you feel once Chumgate was accused on us? And what happened after that? In your, in your vision, just tell us, tell us what you think. It, uh, where, where do I start here? Where do you so start with was, a saga it, like this? It was a dagger. It was a dagger through the heart because the intentions. And this is where it all got carried away. Like in our group of friends, when, when somebody messes up or you do something, you'll pay for it for sure. And... When this happened, uh, the intentions of chucking a couple minnows into the water for the gods was not to attract fish and, and win because just the science from our end doesn't kind of add up to that. And then it kind of it comes through and we start getting accused of cheating and chumming. And, uh, you know, I'm laughing at what you said there. It was, uh, you know, just a whole frenzy of uh, of accusations and debate and with this crew when you're arguing with one another uh you know, the harder you lean in one way the harder you lead the other guys lean in the other way and they sometimes you know you can get choked out if you're three against whatever and so um, what happened right afterwards was when we left the derby there was some there was some talk about this and you know it, the guys were kind of going what the hell's going on here why does he keep saying chumming right after that what happened between a group of people not including us when they started their immediate group chat. Yes. Here's one of my favorite parts about that group chat that started up. This is how leaky the foundation was on the other side. Within about 
three days, maybe 36 hours, we had moles coming to us. We had our yep. own group chat. We sure did. Each one of us had moles coming in telling us how wild these guys, the other side is. We're with you guys. I'll feed you as much information as I can. Like, it <laughs> how was, many guys are we talking here? Like, just in general. Oh, the, at that point, we're probably fourteen. There was guys. fourteen of yeah. us in the thing, and I had no less than four people come to me and say, "These guys are nuts, and yeah. this is what's happening." And I'll tell you everything they say. It's yeah. crazy. So there's at this point, we've got a small group accusing. I think everybody. I think in that group chat were the three people that were hard strung against us doing this. And then they combined it with the other maybe, let's say, six or seven to eight guys that were kind of, you know, you know, probably about 10 guys in, in that group chat, with, except yeah. for me, yeah. Lavin, and um, the new guy. And so, Jay is, is Jay part of the initial accusers at this point? Oh, he's, he's, number, two. he's oh, number two. He's number two. He's, he's, he's yeah. the assistant to whatever the general would yeah. be. Okay, go on. Love Jay's hyperboles, by the way. These are, these are fun to listen to. Hey, <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> the, the, at the end of the day, they, they was the whole, like you cheated to win. And you know, when you look at the definition of chumming, which I brought, yeah, you know, here like today, 18 point font yeah. too. Yeah. Nice yeah, gauge yeah. paper. This is a guy who's got his <laughs> shit together. Merriam yeah. Webster, you know, yeah. uh, we have here, you know, it's funny though, Charles, the, the first definition definition of chum is, uh, to root, to room together, to be a close friend. We are all chums. We did not behave that way. No. Uh, but, uh, here we get into, into where we're, we're more, we're at to attract, with chum to throw chum overboard to attract fish. So we threw chum overboard. So is Where, chumming the verb, I've chummed the water by throwing a ton of minnows, or is chumming what you call the little minnows? It is a verb. So you chum the water by throwing handfuls. Does it uh, matter how meat, many you throw? Meat, whatever it is, uh, yeah. you know, per the definition. But gotcha. to attract fish is the dagger to the heart of Charles. The intensity that we get in the last Absolutely. episode, to me, it's like, wait a second here. Is that really attracting fish? Because there's a few things that are quite funny. These things float. They eventually do thought and sink. There's seagulls all around us eating them off the water. When walleye are below the water, what's really going on here? Are these things really attracting fish? And in past years, we've watched people, I've watched a tub of minnows slide off of a Mastercraft boat and into the water. I look over at two guys kind of smiling and like, what's going on over here? Because they're drunk. Because they're drunk. <laughs> and they didn't win. If they won that year, hell to pay. Of you know, course. it would have been uh, Chumgate Rev 1. The fact that we're doing this, there's uh, three guys placed one, two, and three on the boat with this group of friends and how we like to behave with one another. The rest is here we are today. So Lavin is a man of excellent character. You don't think that you and Charles and the other cat were cheating. You'll acknowledge that you tossed a couple fish into the water, but you don't think you cheated. It did not influence our win. I do not think we cheated. So I'm of the mind. What Lavin says is probably the most reasonable take in all of this. If Lavin says, we threw a couple uh, fish into the water for to appease the fishing gods. Whomstar real, by the way. It's Poseidon. I'm starting to take his side. Chalmers? I, I just got to ask a question. So, like, you said there was only a few fish thrown into the water as kind of like a sacrifice to the gods or whatever. Is this overblown immediately in that it's the volume of the fish thrown in was bumped up immediately? Or is, are we acknowledging off the hop that it was three or four minnows or whatever it was? No, and... It, it's always one. It's always one. Because the whole thing about fishing derby out there is that you never know if you're going to catch 
30 in a round or five in a round. Therefore, when you have a, a tub of minnows, you only have so many. I'm not a guy that if it gets hot is willing to waste any minnows. I need them all. And you know you're going to lose some, right? So I don't. I go out there. Sometimes I'll take two because I just never know if you're going to run out. The same reason why I take a suitcase-sized tackle box and probably only use one jig and, and one jig body if it's working. If it's not working, I'll put on something different, right? But the fact is, is we are so cautious because this thing is so serious that I wouldn't waste minnows to chum the waters to get the fish to come. I threw one, just like Lavin did, just like Jared, Josh did. It was more of like us two with the new guy sitting there and being like, you know what, Josh, this is a little thing we do. You know, you're in this now, man. You, you're with us. You know, this is a little thing we do pre-round. We throw fish in, we say for the gods, and we let, it, we let the rest lie with them. So now I think we should get to the fun part. Sure. You've said your piece. Yep. Lavin's have said his piece. Yep. And we actually had Jay on the line the whole time from Amsterdam. With 20,000 steps on his fucking <laughs> pino. It's 10 o'clock Rush there or something? fuckers. <laughs> Jay, I want to give you credit off the start for uh, sitting on mute very politely, letting Chalmers well, say his piece. Well, he's got nothing better to Lavin do. Lavin say his piece. So now we want to give the floor to you. I'm sitting on the couch in my hotel room. I've got a nice, tall, cold Heineken freshly cracked. This has been good listening so far. It's always nice when I can hear Lavin's voice, and uh, that you know, it's it's. I'm I'm happy now that I can say my piece. I was patient, what? and you know, there was a lot of things said on the other side, and not a lot of it wrong, but there are some some flaws, and I've got some things I need to add to that. Well, I do but, see uh, Jay sorry. that as you were waiting patiently with the mute button, your Twitter account was not silent. <laughs> yes, I was. Uh, I was live tweeting some of the quotes Jerry Macaroni <laughs> said that uh, if if if. I quoted verbatim, very damning, damning things he said. So just but, to recap uh, Jay's tweets, he did have his first one just in from Jerry Macaroni, when we threw minnows in the water, quote unquote. And then the second one was, we threw chum in the water, quote unquote. We've never denied that. We only denied cheating for the purpose of cheating. Exactly. So, but okay, well then, we, we might have to define what cheating is because... There's people that watch PGA Tour events that call in if a guy marks his ball one millimeter from where it's supposed to be. It's to defend the sanctity of the event, of the game. And we know, as we already established, you guys have done a great job setting the stage of what the Angler Cup is to us and how serious we take it. And that is what needs to be defended. So So, as they're walking through their version of the story, Jay, like, what is your major kind of point of contention as i'm watching this right now chalmers and lavin are passing notes back to each other i i from what i understand as an outsider looking in they are co-accusators or a yes co-accusies so there's a common i'm not sure there's a common there's a common theme with the accused they like to get together and try to get their story straight because when they're not it is pear-shaped and just seems like they're very guilty (laughs) and i'm I, I'm going to get into the story that, that touches based on that. I, as well, I was not able to bring someone into the room, but I also have a testimony from the accusers uh, from that day. It's kind of lengthy, uh, but it's very detailed and breaks out the day, just basically minuscule. So we'll, 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 see, we'll save his name as anonymity. But, uh, Jerry, I also... 
I also uh, went online and got the definition of chumming to recite to everyone today. So I've got chumming is the practice of luring various animals, usually fish, by throwing quote unquote chum into the water. Chum is bait which attracts fish. So you don't buy the sacrifice for the gods angle whatsoever. Well, that's that's what we're that's what we're getting. We need to dig into the truth on because I don't know how they're saying one minnow each, and I, we've got some we've got testimony and vivid memories of seeing more than just three minnows floating around the boat that July twenty fifth, two thousand fifteen. Can I jump in here, Jay, with a little bit of tub math? <laughs> I would like to hear some tub math. Minnow tub math. How many minnows are in a tub of minnows? And we, we all go there, maybe uh, 30. And we all row yeah. out. Yeah, we all go out there with uh, a tub to two each, depending on how hot the fish is. And we've got 14 guys that year. We start doing the tub math. That's a lot of minnows. And we're not catching 30 fish each mm-hmm. with the tub. We're losing a pile of them. And when they're still a little frozen, they do float up to the top. They eventually thaw, slowly sink down too. Tub math can lend a lot of minnows to the surface too. That's that's fair. I'll, I'll allow tub math to play a, 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 a factor in this, but uh, I'm going to get into this testimony. So I'm going to recite again my definition of chumming, chumming that I pulled off online. Chumming is the practice of luring various animals, usually fish, by throwing chum into the water. Chum is bait, which attracts fish. So now let's just go from our side how we, what, what led to hashtag Chumgate. The third person who was not in the room that was in your boat that day met, used the term, we chummed the waters on multiple occasions. But as a, as, as a, if, as a, uh, a man of hyperbole as you are, you yeah, would yeah, recognize but that, put perhaps. Verbatim. But you don't think maybe that's he was verbatim. bumping it up a little bit? Uh, well, I think if we throw a fish into the water, we wouldn't use the word chum, well, especially in the, in, in the angler cup. So I'm going to, re, I'm going to recite this testimony that I have. If I may, uh, Please. I ask for your patience. This is going to probably be very painful for me, uh, but I'm going to get through it. So this is from another one of the accusers on our side of the argument. It was July 25th, 2015. (laughs) I remember this day like it was yesterday. We had just invited three new guys out to the 12th annual Angler Cup. It was a massive expansion. Two veterans, Chalmers and Macaroni, took out one of the new guys on the Lund, a three-man fishing boat. Through two one-hour rounds, it was like another derby. Uh, Oh, sorry, it it was like any other derby. Some fish, some beers, and some sunshine. The leader was at, had 13 fish. Chalmers had 12, tied with another guy at 12. Macaroni had nine, and the other guy in their boat, if we can name him Josh, if not, your M. Chuck, edit that, had seven heading into the final hour of fishing. As we embarked on the third round, the Macaroni slash Chalmers boat headed out early before the other boats went out to get their spot. Not, so, not something uncommon for Macaroni. Always he was always that. heading out early always trying to find a good spot. We always fish in the same general area where we can see the other boats, but are always a little ways apart at times, especially early in the fishing legs until someone finds a hot spot and then all the boats sort of swarm the 
a hot boat. What happened in the next hour was unprecedented. It never happened before and still something that has never happened again in all 16 years of the Angler Cup. I remember seagulls flocking above the boat like we were deep sea fishermen in the middle of the ocean, like you'd see on that show Deadliest Catch. I remember numerous comments from guys on our boat, like, what the hell is going on? This is so weird. As the macaroni Chalmers boat began to heat up with fishing, or sorry, with fish biting, the other boats drew closer to them. I remember seeing more minnows in the water, way more than usual, and guys making comments about the minnows and the seagulls diving down numerous times. I thought it was the apocalypse that felt so weird. The macaroni Chalmers boat eventually ran away with it with a third leg, and Chalmers and macaroni went into sudden death overtime with macaroni winning. It was a tremendous finish. All three guys in the macaroni boat finished one, two, and three with 2019 and 18 fish, respectively. Everyone congratulated macaroni like they would any other champion. We want. We went for the celebratory boat drive, and the new champ shared a few beers before heading in. There was zero discussion or speculation of any wrongdoing. Zero. We were all happy for Macaroni and talked about the big comeback from their boat in the third leg. As a former champion myself, this is him and me as well. This applies as good. Multiple, multiple, multiple time champion, not a big deal. But anyways, as a former champion myself, I was very happy. A past champ had won and kept it in the family. Us champs are a tight group. As everyone descended <laughs> on the cabin to wrap up the day, get in some warm clothes, and grab a fresh beer, I was the last man helping to tie up the boat with macaroni and the third member of the championship boat. And there is a photo. Doesn't matter. Here's a pic of the other part. Here's a pic. Yeah. So, uh, and it's a photo of macaroni holding the cup. I think you're in your underwear on the boat. I can't recall. Uh, Probably, yeah. I took this picture at the time of the convo. Can you of the just new interject camp. very, very quickly? Can you send this photo in so we can post it as part of our uh, 360? Yeah, I history? will. Thank you. Yeah, I will. I had to. I had to take this testimony out and put it into a word document so it's easier to read. Yeah, just the photos. So the photo didn't translate. Yeah, but I'll send the photo. Carry on. Uh, as long as macaroni, as long as macaroni doesn't care, because oh, you are sure. Self in a photo, don't you? Yeah, macaroni's no, got I'll, the gift. I'll check it out. You're all right. You're all right. Keep we'll, going. We'll we'll put a we'll get a shirt on you. We'll digitally put a shirt. I took this. I took this, I took this picture at the time of the convo of the new champ. We talked about OT, the big win, and how their boat got hot in the third leg. We came next. What came next changed the derby forever. The new guy said, the, the, new, the new guy said, in quotation marks, yeah, it was crazy. As soon as we chummed the water, within 10 minutes, the fish just started hitting. A very odd statement, but one that I just kind of <laughs> laughed and carried on. I didn't say anything to them. I didn't want to smear Macaroni's win with controversy. We headed up to the cabin and continued on with the night. It, it, it did still strike me as a very odd comment, especially with the, uh, the other very odd things that went on in the third round with the seagulls and the many minnows floating in the water as we got closer to their boat. Normally, you maybe see one or two random minnows in the water that fall off a guy's hook. This was like 10 or 15 in the water at all times with seagulls swooping down. Not, it was nagging at me, but I didn't want to say that's anything. That's a complete lie. I, this way, I finished fourth. I didn't want to be that guy claiming I could have won if not for the cheating. 
what a sore loser I would be. But I did feel like I had to tell someone. So I told Jay and one other guy at, at one point during the night what I was told by the third member of the Macaroni Chalmers boat. They too found it a little too coincidental and peculiar, but I said, let's just keep it to ourselves and not taint this. It wouldn't be right, even though things were starting to become a little suspect. We all tucked into bed without another mention. The next morning, we were sitting around sharing some more laughs about the weekend as everyone is now picking up to head home when the third member of the boat, Josh, I don't know if I should mention him, says it again. Direct quote to the entire group of 15 guys. Yeah, it was crazy. As soon as we chummed the water, within 10 minutes, the fish just started hitting. Then that obviously raises some ears and others start to pipe up like, what, what, repeat that again? And Chumgate was off and running. Everyone knew what they saw on the water yesterday. The date, the, the debate was on, except the three in, oh shit, that I'm butchering this. The debate was on, except the three involved really had not much to say. I took notes in my phone of quotes that morning so that we could reflect back if needed. Here they are. Chalmers, Chalmers so guilty, super quiet that morning. Had trouble even talking. I just thought everyone did it. I didn't know we couldn't. That was quotation. Chalmers said that. Josh said nothing after. Laz tried claiming it was only two minnows. The three then hurried into the truck together, conveniently offering to help pull out a boat of the water. I'm sorry. Oh, the three then hurried into the truck together, conveniently offering to help pull a boat out of the water at the boat launch. When they came back, their statements were, we just threw a couple fish to the gods. That's what we always do. Which, which maybe they do that every year, but yesterday was like no other. It was very different. It is my belief that a lot of things happened that day to make it all a little more than coincidence. To summarize, Everyone noted the seagulls in the third round as new and crazy, not after the win or round. Everyone noted the numerous minnows in the water at that time, not after the win or the round. We had a big comeback where all three fishermen in the boat catch complete fire together. We then had one, but not one, but two unprovoked confessions of chumming the water. One coming a full night's sleep after the first. We find it really hard to believe tossing a minnow or two to the fishing gods for good luck would be something I would find so important to mention the morning after catching so many fish unless the amount of minnows or chumming was significant. Doesn't that seem strange otherwise? Feels like the new guy maybe didn't know what chumming wasn't allowed if you, if you ask me. On top of that, we had the sort of admittance from Chalmers, too, and we had no okay, stories okay. aligning until after they got together and which time they developed the fish god theory. And that and, and that t- the type of seagull minnow show on that lake has never happened before or again. While we cannot actually prove anything, we have confessions and a ton of relatable things at a minimum. It's all incredibly shady. Signed. Witness number one. Now, who in the fuck comes on a podcast and reads a 7,000 word letter <laughs> from somebody who isn't even on the podcast? Uh, you're Chuck. Are you going to thank us for being patient for that whole thing? <laughs> Holy fuck. That was 1,274 words, and I, 
I, I think I did. I'm shocked with how good I did. Why I you did a great job reading it. Yeah. But yeah. why wouldn't you use your words? Why are you putting in another man's words because, in your chum gate mouth? Because I've already said everything, and it connects back to this story. You know, All we know, mm-hmm. we have we have damning evidence. We have a, wed- a witness on their side of the argument who is telling us that they chummed. Just, we just have a because, whistleblower. Just because you've got a great, compelling, well-written letter, Jay, doesn't change some of the facts that we know, which is we threw a couple minnows. Over the but, years, you've but, watched too. You've watched people drop buckets in the water. I'm willing to bet there's somebody, if there was that many minnows on the water, which I remember the seagulls, but I don't remember a zillion minnows floating more abnormally than other years. I'm willing to bet there's somebody in the group being deadly quiet who dropped the tub of minnows that year, and for heaven's sakes, they're not going to say anything. Maybe. To, to garner well, that many wouldn't that have, w- w- shouldn't that have leaked over to you because you had your you had Maybe, your mole. but I know exactly how many minnows I threw. It's I grab a tail in my fingers and I chuck it over my shoulder and we get fishing. I'm not in the business of wasting minnows. I've run out before. I have to say one here, thing here, too. I, I here, here I, are the facts. There's here are the legit just by long winded defense. I did it more for entertainment because I thought it was very well done. Oh, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny. It's, funny. it's, it's right from the heart. No, no, it's, it's right funny. from the heart so of us. Somebody else's heart. Your, your, your facts are only your side of the story. Our facts are a witness saying you did it. Right. So you tell me what holds up more in court. <laughs> okay. Well, luckily, this isn't a court. Um, I think if you he, took this to court, the judge would be I just, like, I hey, say, don't clog the courts up with this bullshit. Get out of court. I want to say one thing. I have proud myself. I pride myself on this one thing. I have never gone to the boat launch to take out a boat or to put one in at the Derby. I'm always too hammered that morning. Every Sunday morning when, uh, when, when the breakfast is being made, he says that I was quiet. I'm always quiet. I want to get the hell out of there. I'm shaking. I've been drunk for three days straight, up till five in the morning. I want to go home. I don't ever talk. He was, he was saying you were quiet during the little. Everyone was having a little powwow outside there. Oh man, he's saying he's a chronic alcoholic going through withdrawal. Yeah, exactly. Of course, he's quiet. of course, I'm going to be quiet. <laughs> oh, I, Plus, I just. I, 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 the other fourteen guys. Yeah. Well. So we we chummed. We threw, according to Let's definition. Just, according to definition, we, were, we, we were threw punished. some minnows in and we chummed. Yep. We came back and I won first place the next year with a bait ban. Boom. With a bait ban. With a bait ban, I won. Wow. So Chalmers got third that year. So never was Chumgate about Lavin is a terrible fisherman. Chalmers has definitely regressed since Chumgate. I, I, I used hyperbole and said... I, said <laughs> I do not think he's regressed. I don't think I have Chalmers, either. Chalmers has definitely regressed. regressed. Lavin really regressed this year, that's for sure. But every wow, other year is right at the Rolling insults Jay, around Jay, now. Just say so, one thing. Jay, you called me a cheater. Either continue with calling me a cheater or tell me that I'm not a cheater. Because somebody who chums the water not knowingly cheating, not knowing that it is cheating, not thinking anything of it by throwing one over their shoulder for the gods, and then being called a cheater. I mean, I, in everything that we do, golf, pickleball, no matter what we're playing... Another thing I pride myself on is that I am upstanding. I never cheat. I'm upstanding. I am honest about everything. I've never seen you cheat in the and, fi- 20 years of playing golf. And I, never don't, once. and I will so, not. So, Jay, I got a question well, before you continue. Going, just going out and calling Chalmers a cheater is was part of my hyperbole of Chumgate. I'll oh, take Chalmers that as an apology. Is a chummer. 
I can live. We're I can live chummer. with that. We're I'm chummers. just not a cheater. Your so, M track for Christ's sakes, wrap this up before <laughs> I stop listening to this podcast. Last question, Jay. So where is the line for cheating with you in terms of throwing one over your shoulder for the gods? Was it the amount of seagulls? Was it the volume there? Was it the the alleged minnows floating in the water? Where's the cheat line for you on this? Well, it's it's it all it's all because one of their guys we saw this weird shit, but we weren't acknowledging as anything wrong. And then one of their guys in the boat said they chummed, and it just makes all that stuff connect and makes it perfect sense. All right. Jay, I want to thank you for calling in from Amsterdam. <laughs> Sean, I want to thank you for coming in to defend this. I think as someone, who's, work. <laughs> as someone who's independent from all of this, I don't think Chalmers is a cheater. I don't think Sean's a cheater. I don't think you're a liar necessarily, Jay. Um, I just think this story has developed over time, and there may have been certain things that have been stretched into truths that maybe aren't as much truth as some expect. So and Sean made one good point that holy he had, Christ, holy no more good points. No, no, no. One more no. good point. Every God point's been made. No every, more points. Every group no more. of guys that has these things needs something like this. Oh, we fair. needed a yeah. chum gate. Needs, we need a chum gate. Love it keeps chum us going. <laughs> it keeps totally. us. It keeps us going. This is why we love each other. It's why we hate each other at times. Yeah. But get yourself a chum gate. Get, get your chum, chum gate. You did 365 days of fun, and then it resurfaces four years later, and you're sitting <laughs> yeah. in a room talking on a microphone in the middle of a workday. In the middle of a workday. That is why chum gate exists. Exactly. All right. I think we wrapped it up in a yeah, nice way. I think we did. Jay, enjoy uh, watching our good friend Yesa Puglia Yarvi play. Oh, can't wait. Thanks, All right. boys. Thank you. Bring All right. back magnets for the fridge. There was a good yeah, amount we'll of <laughs> there was a good amount of dishonesty there, but where you never get dishonesty is from our good friends at Jappa. We're going to hear from them and be right back. Episode 138, Nation Real Life. Have you got holes to dig, earth to pack, and roads to build? Then you need to call Jappa Machinery Group. Does your equipment need a service? You can't fix stupid, but here at Jappa Machinery Group, we can fix everything else. With a full range of parts to keep your equipment running smoothly, Jappa Machinery Group is a family-operated and Alberta-grown business. Here to help build a bigger and better Western Canada. Give us a call or visit us at jappamachinery.com. Jappa Machinery Group. Join the family. Fine, I'm coming in. I thought you liked Chumgate. No, no, I know. I know. <laughs> all right, we're back. Episode 138. <laughs> Nation Real Life. We were all just laughing as we get back from the Jappa break. Um, what Jay, the fuck, you're Amtrak? Like, we have a nice little hockey podcast going here. Yeah. We start bringing in the boys. and We had Kelly Buckberger on, like, yeah, two weeks no ago. Shit, eh? And now we're like, so anyways, this is what happened at a fishing tournament seven years ago. Like, my God in heaven. If we're going to just start talking about shit that we like that happened in our lives, I mean, this podcast, oh, my God, it's called Real Life. Nope, that's fine. You're on topic. Yeah, this is kind of what you told me that it would be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it just took me, like, 70 episodes to get to something that was. <laughs> I think the point that you made at the end that, like, Things like Chumgate is what makes stuff fun for guys. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It's like, yes, fishing is fun. Or yes, I like going to the golf tournament or whatever it is with the, with my friends. But really what we like is that we keep the drama alive 365 days a year. Huh. It gives us something to talk about. Shared experience. Yeah, absolutely. That kind of stuff is so much fun. But when you're when you're called a cheater and then and you know that you're not. And then you go and in every golf tournament when we have these team golf tournaments at the cup. And then I win them. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then, and, you know, they go, oh, well, how do we know he didn't cheat out there? And that, that thing, I just go, oh, fuck. I know there's a bit of truth in that, right? But, yeah, no, this has kept the guys going. You know what? It keeps us – I know a lot of people that fall apart with their friends at, like, around 30s when they start to have families and stuff. And what's been really good about 
guys in our group is that we found these traditions to keep us together mm-hmm. and then have these little things inside the tradition that just make us want to go back to it. And I, I mean, we haven't lost a step. Like we're all as close as we've been since high school. Yeah. And it's really, really important, man. If you find your group slipping away, man, just one little tradition can snowball into anything. Like one little tiny golf weekend and do it every year could turn into another, you know, football weekend or something. I don't know. It's important. It's- uh, as another up, uh, update from Jay, who is still tweeting up a storm from, uh, from the <laughs> Netherlands. He just said, I just had my David Caruso moment on this episode. Meaning the uh, guy from CSI. Sunglasses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What does that mean? I don't know. I think he. Yeah, I think that's his gotcha moment. Man, you think he's it was been his walking gotcha around Amsterdam all day. If you catch my drift, that guy isn't making no sense. <laughs> Shoot, um, Chalmers is puzzled. <laughs> Remchuk said that I know he's not a cheater. I know I'm not a cheater, and you're not necessarily a liar. I don't I think you better pull those sunglasses back up, Caruso. <laughs> Anyways. Holy fuck. Chum Gates dead. Do you want me to steer this back? <laughs> no, 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 you're M. Chuck. Why would we start steering the podcast 48 minutes into it? My God in heaven. <laughs> well, technically, it's only 35, 36. Um, Elliot Friedman just dropped, while we were arguing about that, he dropped his first 31 thoughts of the year, and that's always the go-to hockey blog. That's where pretty much any sort of big news gets broken, and uh, two rather interesting Oilers nuggets in there. Um, Friedman mentioning that he heard that there was some interest between the Oilers and Patrick Marlowe, uh, the veteran former Leaf, wanted to go back to San Jose, was told that's not going to happen. Friedman says that's not going to happen. And then he, uh, Friedman adds, yes, Apuliarvi knows that he has to do well in Finland. He has to play hard. He has to play well. He's off to the right start. The Oilers talked with Carolina about Julian Gauthier and Tampa Bay about Alexander Volkov, but didn't get it to where they felt comfortable. Bag Milk, do you have a thought on either of those? He's had a big week, man, Friedman, because he had Nuge on his podcast yesterday yeah. as well. And man, all I was thinking about Wanya is we've been doing this a long time. <laughs> and to think of the shit that Ryan Nugent Hopkins has seen in his Oof. tenure as an oiler and to be asked about. I was, so I was listening to the podcast and what Nuge was saying about Jesse Pugliarvi. And he's just like, it's all unfortunate and blah, blah, blah. And I could just think of like, man, this guy has seen so much dark shit in his eight years as an oiler now. And to have him have to answer these questions over and over and over and but over But has again. he, though? Like, I can't really think of an extended interview with the Nuge I've ever heard. No, not an extended no. interview, but what I'm saying about more is, like, being asked about... He was asked about a new coach, again. He was asked about a new GM, again. He was asked about a player who may not worked out in the Oilers, again. And all I could think about was, when is it going to stop for this guy? But at the same point, he should probably be fucking knighted because he's never once complained about it, ever. And how, so how, what was he like on the podcast? I've never heard the Nuge say more than, well, we got the pucks in deep and I'm a baby. He was interesting. He was, uh, he's well-spoken. Uh, you could tell he's articulate. He was well thought out. He thought about his answers. He was calculated in his answers. He didn't say anything that would ever, you know, look poorly upon him or the franchise as you would expect. And I don't know if that was the format to maybe loosen him up quite like maybe i don't know like they would on spit and chicklets what they did with crosby oh, i thought you would have said here on nation real life well, like listen. they did with Buckburger, but you know whatever shout up whatever podcast we you crack like. those guys right open wide open well mm. if we get nuge in here then he will but like that that was more of like an all business approach yeah what i thought and it's just it was interesting to me that he's having to do this again he's the longest serving oiler he's answering questions about a bunch of bullshit when this guy should be in the playoffs year after year at this point i think the nuge is the canary in the coal mine for the oilers franchise and yet he's still standing. But this is why, like, okay, as 
the so goes the nuge, so goes the room, probably, right? The nuge has seen the most shit. The nuge isn't prone to complain or, or obviously uh, bouts of bad temper. But if the nuge gets to the end of his career and decides I'm or end of his contract and says I got to get the fuck here out of Edmonton because they're killing me, I think that there'll be other players coming behind him. I was gonna say yeah, if nuge flees, then I think Oilers fans really have something to start being worried about because the fact he hasn't says a lot about him. Yes, right, like 15 years from now. A tell-all book from Ryan Nugent Hopkins, man, about just this, his first eight, nine years of his career would be fucking so good. But he's so liquid. He's getting so many sheets. You'll never see a book from the Nuge. The Nuge will write his name in the book. The Book of Ballers. Like, do you see see his photos that popped up from Press Week in Chicago? He's looking all dapper. Ryan Nugent shirt and shit. Yeah. I've only seen the pictures from the golf tournament. They look wicked playing some golf out there in those... Uh, whatever those team. hats are cool. Hey? They, yeah, those man, Adidas the ones are actually sweet. Yeah. And the and the and the zip up like the three quarter zips, those are sweet. Yeah, Did you watch cool. Dave Tippett speak? No, because man, I'm bought in all. I'm all in on Dave Tippett. How could you not be, man? Just w- hearing him speak, the confidence, yeah. just the um, he's a lot more personable maybe than a Todd McClellan was. It seems like anyway. I'm all in on this guy. I love that. Can you grab a photo of Tippett and draw several different mustache styles on him, and maybe mm. we can start thinking about what kind of mustache he needs to grow. I feel like we got to get back on the grow a stash plan. Because when he saw the nation truck at that tournament, he was asked point blank, would you grow your stash back? And he laughed. It was like, oh, ha, ha, here I am in Edmonton. And like, he admitted his wife likes it. You know, stashes are like, I've seen a lot of people that I didn't think would run stashes running them these days. Like, I think they're coming back. Well, his OG stash, too. Like, he's got the yeah, long like, no, upper lip, you, right? Yeah, if you, you can get the get, big bushy 80 stash. Yeah, if you can get one of those, like a real well, good one. What would be your go-to for him? Oh, I, I like the big Clearly, he's got to run too. a handlebar mustache. Oh, I just like with the Tom like, Selleck. With, with like classic. wax on the edges and like a giant-ass top hat. Classic Magnum PI. Yeah, I like the Tom Selleck. Yeah. Handsome, clean. Yeah. Neat. And can be, stern, can be authority. stern when you, yeah, yeah. Screams, screams authority. True, I just true. feel like a group of kids would have a hard time taking him seriously if he's got a twisty wax mustache. Yeah. They'd probably all start growing him. I'm thinking he has like a cane on the bench. He like twirls it during the power play and shit. <laughs> That'd be fucking you awesome. You got him as like the Monopoly guy or something. <laughs> no, Mr. Peanut. Top hat Basically, you want yeah, Mr. Yeah, Peanut to coach you. Yeah, on not this. the top hat, dude. No, no, no. I know what you're saying. But yeah. I agree with you, Bag Milk. Like listening to him talk, every answer he gives, you find yourself going after like, Damn, and I actually think that's going to happen, right? Like, he talks about how if uh, they don't prevent more goals in the playoffs, there's going to be no goal or more goals in the regular season. There's going to be no goals for guys like Leon to score in the playoffs. Like, those little turns of phrases, they're fascinating. I saw that you guys were making predictions on the other uh, ON 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 Radio. Yeah, on ON Radio. Um, James Neal is what we were doing exactly. So I've got 22 goals on the button. I saw that. What do you say? What do I say? Yeah. I say that that's, that's, if he does that, I think we're a playoff team. Mm. But I don't think it's going to happen. I want it to. What do you think is going to happen then? Put, put a number down. He'll be under. I'll go 16. Mm, like, closer to Nation Dan. Yeah, Nation is that, Dan is that where he was at? at? 17. 17. So my, my real question, though, was at what point can we start making predictions on how we think this team's going to do? Are you guys already doing oh, that? right on the eve of the, of the season start. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we'll go through training camp, which for me is my playoffs. Yeah. Because the Oilers in training camp, or preseason in the last 10 years are probably like 82 and 3. Yeah. I come in flying high every season starting. That's when we'll make our exuberant predictions. Then we will write them down, stick them on the wall in the office, nice. and then look at them when we're done. Okay, good. Because like... There's guys, like you guys, you don't need anything to get you motivated to watch this season. Like, you guys are looking forward to it right now. And I 
am just starting to get that feeling. Now that football's back and now that my kids are starting to do their evaluations in hockey, it it's 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 drumming up, you know, in my head that okay, it's hockey season time coming up. I want to be excited. I really, really do. We need you to so be excited. I, You're on a hockey podcast I'm, that's mostly about fishing. No, and I totally understand. And I would like to be excited. <laughs> and so other than other than you guys giving me a $1,000 float that I can bet on every game, and that will get me excited, there's only one thing that can happen, and that is for me to have things to look forward to. There is a bunch of people, I am sure, that are in the same boat that I am. There's a bunch of people that are in your boat where they don't need anything. We don't need anything yeah, doing back just, just, just a couple to, of memes. You guys talking about... I am the, in peak Kool-Aid season. Yeah, maybe yeah, a Twitter like poll. That's JR all I need. Is, But like you guys talking about Tippett, that's good. That that helped. Right, right there I go, okay, so do we have something to look forward to this year? Like, I need something to look forward you to. You want to hear all the shit we guys are looking forward to for the upcoming weather season? Yeah. Okay, man. <clears throat> I hate to break the fishing news up, your M check, but I'd like to speak about the ice hockeys. Okay, first of all, <laughs> the Oilers had 200-point men last year. Yes. That, when's the last time that happened? It was like the 90s or Lemieux something. Lemieux and Yager. Something like that. So when you look at 200-point teammates, except for in like the 80s when everybody was on blow during games, this shit never happens anymore. So you've got a foundation. Connor McDavid is signed for seven more years. So is Leon? Uh, I think he's got six now. Six more, yeah. Six more. That's right? good. So Connor hates it here. Blah, blah, blah. Shut up. He's under lock and key for seven more years. It's another thing to look forward to. And those contracts, when they usually talk about paying your two top, those contracts leave a, a lot of money left over for In the back supporting? half, right? Okay. So, so like with Connor's contract, he's the highest paid player in the league at 12 and a half. As he should be. As he should as be. As he should be, of course. But like when you sign an eight-year deal, it's like years four, five, six, seven, and eight. Backloaded. Where you're looking. No, no, no. It's, it's flat. Same every year. Oh. But the value increases because theoretically the cap increases. So your smaller percentage of your overall cap hit in the second half, or team's cap hit in the second half of your contract. So even if the Oilers are burning through Chirelli years right now, and they've got two or three more years till they're done, at some point, the Oilers have a team to build around Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl signed for four more years at this point in the prime of their fucking careers. They had a lot of underperforming players last year, led by Lucic, who miraculously is gone out of the dressing room, who is a huge addition by subtraction to the others. That's exciting to look up. And for. as much as I did like Toby Reader as just a person, player, he was he was an anchor. Yeah. And he was somebody that needed to kind of well, he just didn't do anything. Yeah. For sure. He just yeah. didn't do anything. The I Oil, mean, though, last year had, like, spectacularly poor output from their bottom six. Historically poor. Like, all league, world. Like, last time six players played that poorly is when the Montreal Wanderers all got the flu, and then they died halfway through the year. 44 like, years, Shomer. And so, is this golf tournament right now, is this, like, the start of getting everybody in, and then they go start training camp? Yeah. Well, yeah. What, what is Rookie this golf? camp, and just, like, who's coming into town, and who's setting up shop for the year. Right, so lots of guys who live out of town, they've flown back from Europe now, like dry right. and shit like that. So then you got this bottom six problem. You got some super studs, super super studs in the top. Right, Holland's gone out and pieced together like eight new prospective forwards to squeeze out some competition in that bottom six. Yeah. So it's not guys like Jujar Kara, who is fine. He's a good guy, but he's not coming to the team, coming to training camp with like an assured place. Or expectations of, like, we need Jujar to score 20 this year or our top six is fucked. Yeah, Holland's got out and gotten a whole bunch of, like, PTO guys and, like, random bottom six dudes to create a whole bunch of competition for those places that can't help but improve the Oilers' depth. So what stopped, like, Shirelli from doing that in the past? It doesn't, was, it doesn't sound like this stuff costs a lot job. of money, does it? Like, you know, when you bring a guy in on a PTO, it's not like you have to pay much money. Yeah. Um, Beg Milk made a really good point there. Peter Shirelli was bad at his job. Yeah, I think if he like, was no, bad at his like, job. So is it just too much work? Is that why he's bad? Like, is he like, bad at it because he just didn't want to do the work? If you got a contract to build a house, yes, and you got me to do it, 
Okay. Which would go terribly for you. Even though he might be trying his absolute best and trying to piece things together. I brought all my crayons and I still didn't build a house. <laughs> but he's doing his best. Uh, okay. And then you bring in someone who's been building houses for 30 years. Understand. I, I think Chia was one of those sense. guys who thought he was the smartest guy in the room. Yeah. And the undergrad um, entrance exams qualifications at Harvard said he's fairly smart, which remains to be seen. That's why the theme to this show is the Yale fight song. Mm -hmm. Yale. I think he just had his guys and he had his theories on players and what he was doing with the team. I just think he was really wrong on a lot of them. And super stubborn. Yeah, and unable to defend his position. So when you come out and you say, like, this is what I'm trying to do and it's not working, but at least here's the theory. I don't think he was, like, able to articulate what he was doing. So there was that, like, double disconnect. Why isn't he doing this, and yells everybody. And so people, people saying, when I heard just things of when we got Ken Holland, that, like, oh, why would we get this old general manager? I even, I had that sentiment. Why don't we move to a younger general manager? This is just a guy that's going to work hard and just is good at his job, and regardless knows, of his age. And, and knows, knows what it takes. And knows what it takes. Well, he, and it yeah. seems like he's got, like, processes in place that he's going to follow, and that's the plan. The plan is the plan, whereas Peter Shirelli, once he started drowning, he was dragging everyone down with him. And I don't, I don't get that vibe from Ken Holland, even when he was wrapping up his career in Detroit. Like, even look at Peter Shirelli last year. When things started to go bad, it was, ah, oh, fuck, I really need a defenseman now because I didn't get one at the beginning of the season when the second was out. Make a bad trade, make a bad trade, make a bad trade. Ah, oh, fuck, I'm doing even worse. What can I do now, right? It was just like snowball. Whereas Ken Holland, if the first 30 games of this season don't go well, I don't think Ken Holland's going to sit there and trade Ryan Strome for Ryan Spooner or Drake Kajula for Brandon Manning. I think he's going to trust his process a little bit more, and that's a bit of a buzz phrase in sports now. But I think that's what you're getting with Holland is just a guy who knows to trust in himself and what he can do and what his established process is. And is that thanks to him being proactive as opposed to reactive all the time? It sounded like you were just explaining that yeah. Shirelli was basically being reactive at times. He wasn't prepared for shit. I feel like his theories didn't pan out. Like, I feel like... He had, like, in the summertime last summer, how come he didn't replace Sekera's minutes? Well, we've got enough depth in the A that someone's going to come up here and look at Ethan Bear, right? Like, he had an idea in his head of what was going to go down. I just think that he would, like, critically misjudge what people were able to do. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, he's a general manager. That's, like, pretty much your bread and butter. Is that, like, too much trust in the guys underneath him? Yeah, to and me, not he was, like, hands-on work? To me, he's, like, the mortgage, mortgage needs to get paid, and I've got all these scratch tickets. I'm sure it'll work out. I'm sure one will pay off. Yeah. That's what it was kind of like the whole time. And I just appreciate Ken Holland's approach of adding depth, adding people, adding competition. And, you know, I mean, fingers crossed this works out. There's That's a reason that that Gates and Zuck both dropped out of Harvard, but Chirelli stuck around and did his undergrad degree, right? Like the real brains at Harvard are there for like one year and then they're out. And she had stuck it up. There's only one thing better than saying you're a Harvard graduate it's a harvard dropout yeah exactly who made it like yeah, who succeeded college it. dropout that's right speaking of making it gentlemen you know when you know you know when you feel like you've made it when you get a brand new suit from our ooh, friends at ooh. indochino tyler you want to head on over there one of their showrooms maybe online indochino.com you get measured up you customize your suit you pick whatever is going to make you feel at your best for jay maybe he brought his indochino suit with him to finland where he's going with the reinforced ass because he likes to boogie you too can have a reinforced ass in your suit from our friends at Indochino. Go to any of their showrooms around North America or get measured up online. Store your measurements in the website for whenever you need a new suit. Indochino.com. And within two to three weeks, you will have a wrinkle-free suit out of the box delivered to your door. Not the door I built, the door Chalmers built. That's how this works. <laughs> a damn fine ad. Well I done, Zeph. 
Um, so we got a little bit of time left here. We're going to get to Big Brother talk, uh, but we also have our nation real life fantasy football league that started oh, this let's week. Let's do a little update. Yeah. Um, Chalmers, how did you do in week one? Well, I lost. Uh, how many people lost- are in this thing? Oh, there's 12, 12. of us. Okay. Yeah. And that is uh, Rick. Yeah. Rick oh, from yeah. on ON Radio, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there is Nation Dan is in it. Oh, yeah. Chuck's in it. Big yep. time. I'm in it. Uh-huh. And JR's in it. Right. And then the other seven are listeners. Whomst. Yeah. And um, they, yeah, they just. We, who, 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 who's there? The well, they got their well, names in yeah, their thing. You're going to have to let me get to that. Okay. Okay. I got questions. Mm-hmm. Of the Nation staff slash all the Nation people, who, who did the worst? Well, I mean, I don't study the draft afterwards. I don't know what the draft grades look like. Neither did I. Um, but I would have to say that after week one, I would say that JR is not doing too great. Mm. He got pretty badly beat down this week by uh, one of our favorite, Brad Stepankos. Mm. Ah. That's my yeah. boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, he took him to the woodshed. I, I, got, I got matched up in week one against a guy who got an unprecedented amount of points. It's normal to get like around 120 130. 100 is like, you know, you're, you could still win with 100. This guy got 175 or something like that. 184. 184. Ooh. That is like, nobody will do that again. That's a tough week one opponent. Who did that? Ryan did it. Ryan. Oh, oh you have it up on, on the your back phone? of look, Boom's look at this. performance, though. Just will not. Yeah, the, the app's being a little bit weird, so I don't actually know who his performance shout was. Shout out to Ryan. Yeah, but yeah, big shout out to Ryan. Big shout out to all the winners. Jordan, Nation Dan, Ian, Brad Stabanko, and myself. We were the six winners. Jesse, Dave, Chris, Rick, Double Dutch. Double Dutch. That's Double JR. Dutch. Oh, that's JR. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and John, those were your six losers for week one. So we'll have more updates. I'm taking on Dan this week, so it's an all-nation matchup. Yeah, and so the other things, a little bit of the housekeeping. Um, I set the draft in a certain way, and it kind of got a little screwed up because that site is a little screwed up at times. Um, anyways, it's not it what was, our site. It was, it, 30, it was a 30-second. No, no <laughs> Who it, cares, you know what? Then? This is one site where millions upon millions of people use it and there is some things on there that I cannot figure out why they haven't changed. Oh, it is like the nation. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like But the anyways, the, we had 30 second picks for our draft. I thought the draft went well. It was a 45 minute draft. Yeah. It was it was it was quick. I mean, it was really quick. It was real quick. Um we but yeah, so anyways, there's we decided on a $20 buy-in, yep. which is just, you know, for some fun and we're going to have some other fun stuff that we do throughout the week if we ever We get should to discuss uh, it. Try and bring one piece of NFL news each bag milk to these table conversations. Yes. Uh, Talk and, about Antonio Brown. I was going to say Antonio Brown is now a New England Patriot. What does that mean? In the greatest Bill Belichick heist of all time, this is what I believe happened. Antonio Brown made a huge stink to get out of the out of Pittsburgh. Okay, so okay. He's, a, he's a football player. Yes. Mm-hmm. He, he knew where he wanted to go, but he doesn't get a choice. He got sent to Oakland. He was under contract? He, he was, was drafted contract. by the Raiders, or how did he end up there? No, he he got traded to the Raiders. From the Steelers. From the Steelers, Steelers? but the rumor yeah. is all along he wanted to be a Patriot. Yes, that he wanted to be a Patriot. He wanted to help Tom Brady win another Super Bowl. Um, anyways, immediately when he got to Oakland, it came out that he had burnt his feet in the cryogenic chamber, which is beyond words how that can even happen, because you have to wear shoes. Uh, but it happened. He didn't wear his shoes. Number two came out that they had dis they had they had, the NFL had said that he was not allowed to wear the helmet that he had been wearing for the last ten years. It was deemed unsafe, and so he said, "Well, I'm not going to play unless they allow me to." So he filed he burned his feet and needed th- a new helmet. Three grievances against it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Then, during that grievance period, he missed a bunch of team workouts, which unfortunately you get fined for by the team. It's detriment. It's it, you know, 
conduct detriment to the whatever the organization. Yes. So he got fined. Well, he didn't like that. So he went to social media and made a huge stink about, you know, he, he went to the general manager's face at one of the practices. You know, called him a cracker. Called him a cracker. I heard that's not true. Called him a cracker? Yeah. Punted then, a football. And there was at work the <laughs> For next real? day. For real? I heard that. <laughs> I heard there was some JR hyperbole in there. But uh, anyways, <laughs> the fact is, is he then, he, he he basically goes to the team and he says, I'm not playing for you. You've taken away all my guaranteed money. They took away I'm, $30 million. Wow. Because that's the NFL, man. Owners have all the power. How do you, you take can, away someone's guaranteed In the contract, contract, if you do one little thing, man, and they hadn't signed, they hadn't played a game yet. Uh, all this stuff is payable the day he steps so on he the field for his first game. So he went from Pitts. Oh, all the guaranteed money is day one of the season. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Regular season. Yes. Yeah. And when he got traded from Pittsburgh to Oakland, he signed a new contract with Oakland. Yes, he yeah. reworked his deal. So it's almost like he went there. The NFL's Oakland wild, Oakland traded man. him away. He reworked his deal. Then Oakland was like, okay, we got this guy. But he made these stinks. And the, the real fishy part about it is, is that when he... When he asked for his release and said, I will never play for you guys, you took away my guaranteed money, and they gave it to him, Oakland now essentially just lost everything. They lost, they didn't pay him anything. One of the best wide receivers in the league. Yeah, but they lost the wide receiver, and then they lost what they traded Pittsburgh to get him. Now, here's the real ballsy thing, which happened. About two hours later, everybody's just like, nobody's going to sign this guy. He's absolute cancer. And all of a sudden it comes down, Patriots sign Antonio Brown. How do they have the money? How do how do they have the money? Is there no cap in the NFL? The there pat- is, but it's you can work your way around it, and like you can cut guys like that. Yeah, it, so you can make it work in a 52, 54 man roster, yeah. whatever it is. You, you can, squeeze out you, a couple million and, and, in there. And New England Patriots have always been the team that, like, the minute somebody gets to a certain threshold of money, no matter how good they are, that's usually when they're starting to go on their down on their downslide and their performance. They cut them. Mm-hmm. They have no loyalty to these guys, and it's why they win. And it's but it's shrewd, right? Like it's really yeah. shrewd. Anyways. They just got, they beat, what was it, 50, 50, or Baltimore beat Miami 59 to 3 or something like that. Yeah. And now New England plays Miami. My, Anyways, it's, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Focus on Antonio Brown. He's he's somebody I think you'd really I also like. like that my dog, Odell Beckham Jr., wore a Richard Mille on the oh field. My God. And the NFL was like, you can't do that. And then he was like, oh, really? Show me the rule. I'm wearing it again in week two. Well, I guess there's something about that they have to wear an NFL sponsored watch. Uh, yeah, well, Richard Mille is probably like, thank you, my man. Is this the same watch that Raphael Nadal was yeah. wearing in his match? It is, isn't it? Yeah, but Rafa Nadal's was worth like 750K. This is like 21 the- Savage one time rapped recently that he bought a Richard Mille, could have bought himself a house. Because uh-huh. that shit is expensive. Really? Yep. I was no wonder that. I've never heard of it. 21 I do Savage? Like- no, no, the watch, Richard Mille, or whatever <laughs> it is. I do like the NFL for the, uh, the personality. Oh, it's yeah. just so, some of these dudes are just so out there. And they would like to have Antonio Brown crowbar his way into a team that he wanted to just by being a shithead, really? Well, I like the, it. Do you remember when we talked about player empowerment in the NFL and the NBA? Yeah, this is This similar. was the first example of player empowerment working in the NFL where it, a guy did this. It is amazing to me the PR crisis that the NFL has brought about by Trump calling them out initially and Kaepernick taking a knee. Like if you'd told me in 2005... Jay-Z doing a deal with the NFL would be controversial and Jay-Z hadn't done anything bad. Did you hear about the, the thing that came from that? There's a guy, so the owner of the Miami Dolphins, he had a fundraiser for Donald Trump. One of his players, a wide receiver, called him out and said like, you can't do this. Like you say you're for us in like, you know, in the same rights that we're fighting for, that Kaepernick's fighting for, that this guy Kenny Steele's is fighting for. You 
claim that you're with us and you do things to help us, but then you have a fundraiser for Donald Trump, like you can't be that hypocritical, right? And so I guess at the next practice, they played nine straight Jay-Z songs while they were practicing. And then in his interview afterwards, he had a stereo playing Nas in his locker. Oh, yeah. Jay-Z it's is very, ridiculous. like, he's obviously a very savvy businessman, a very sound brand manager. Yeah. He understands the value of brand, I think, before a lot of people did. The NFL must be paying him so much so money, much. man, so yeah. much. To, put, to suffer these slings and arrows and have to be the, like, almost the straw man to go out on behalf of the NFL. Especially like, when he doesn't need it at all. Well, I wouldn't be surprised in 10 years if Jay-Z isn't an owner of, of an NFL team, if he can help. Well, this is, that's, that's the rumor that right when it came out was that, like, this is the first step to him being top of the list the next time a team comes for sale because these things do not come for sale. He's doing yeah. the NFL a massive, yeah. massive favor. Yeah. Um, do we want to end our podcast with a little Big Brother talk? Yeah. That was actually... On Big <laughs> that was great. I actually enjoyed the football talk yeah. more than the fishing this talk, is, this is, which tells me there was too much fishing talk. <laughs> on this this is what podcast. I'm going to try to bring to you. So a little bit more, a little bit more diversity. Yeah. But. Next week, Jay is going to read a 10 minute rant about the uh, <laughs> Cleveland Browns. The real life football. So we've rant. had a legitimately meaty big brother week. Okay. So I watched the two episodes on Thursday back to back. Ooh, Wednesday, Thursday, back to back. Uh-huh. Nice. So did I. So did I. So did I. I. That was the biggest celebration I've ever made watching Big Brother, and I've watched almost all of them. When Christy had the right answer, and then had the and wrong answer, it. and they got voted the fuck out. Yeah, I was dancing like Desharnay was scoring a goal up the gut, no t. Um, that is the best possible scenario for Mickey as well. Like he waited so long, I was yelling at him to get out Christy early, get out Christy early. The fact he didn't have to do it is that'll work wonders for him in the jury house because Christy would be the type to go into that jury house, I feel, and just be a total shithead and try to trash him. For yeah. sure. Every, Nic- sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Oh, okay. Nicole had it. Like, first of all, so classy, Cliff threw the competition. So classy. You see that? Unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Throws it over to Nicole. Great. She melts the floor like a candle and cries. So fantastic. If she just got up, dried her tears, and been like, Cliff and Mickey are on the block, it would have been, she could have won the game. It would have been huge. If she could have beheaded the five-time head of household champion in her week, if Mickey gone up on the block, I feel like everybody could have been like coached into getting rid of him. So do you think that by that extension, she made a mistake in putting up who she did? Of course she did. Yes, and she... T- and really? She, and, and in these last episode, in, in on Senda's episode... Now that she's she a couple knows. more days down the road, she's she sees it. And she said, people at home are going to think I made a huge mistake. I thought she made a huge mistake. What I've noticed about this season is there isn't enough. There isn't any backstabbing. Like, it's all been front stabbing, right? Or else, like, keeping your word. I totally agree with keeping your word. There was backstabbing. You're in just, the final five right now. Like When the six shooters Tommy. came out yeah. and they yeah. got into their early lead, they were literally bored to the point that Chrissy just started turning on everybody. Because she was bored. Yeah, but did you notice, like, nobody really backstabbed. It was like, it was just, it was arguments over hearsay, right? Yeah. It, it was never, like, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm with you, and then I backstabbed you. Like, it was, there was, how many back doors was there? None. Yeah, that's true. This Everybody's whole season's been, pretty, been like, everybody's been so nice to each other. Yeah. And it's like, this is how the game would look if everybody played with honor <laughs> you know what i mean yeah yeah but yeah, i was just but but honor doesn't fucking make for good tv sometimes. i love a good heel turn oh so you do got I. to and and so ha- have i been hoping for one yeah i kind of was hoping for one uh but the problem is is i've really grown to like cliff and he's would be one of the 
I think, like, the people that would be gone if there was a big-time heel turn. If you remember Cliff getting voted out unanimously, yeah. being sent to Camp Have Not, oh, yeah. then battling back, like, that's probably the greatest one-episode turnaround in the history Absolutely. of Big Brother. Absolutely, yeah, probably. Right? That's up oh, there with sure. Dan's funeral for flipping your fortunes in 60 minutes, right? Oh, yeah. that was a good one, too, yeah. yeah. I think that my boy Tommy, if he went right now to... Say it's. I wouldn't even pick uh, uh, Mickey and Holly. I would go to Cliff and to Nicole and be like, "Do you want to trade your final four in for a final three? Fuck those guys." Well, that's, and that's what. But 100%. that's what would have happened. I mean, ultimately, if Mickey, if if Tommy won, Cliff and Nicole would have jumped ship in a second. They yeah. said it. Yeah. And I think that Mickey and Holly would have. Mickey keeps saying, "I am loyal to these people to like the end." I think things would have changed in his mind if Tommy had won that. It is you? the end. How right? about yeah, right. breaking up with your showman's? Oh, that was that was cutthroat. And then having to stay with your showman's and not give anyone in the house any vibes or any drama because they will split you two up. Like that. So what's the deal with them? Because you watch a lot of like the live feeds. Yes, you I may. Um, <laughs> what's the deal with them? Oh, it was a small fight. It was their one first fight. I don't know, man. I don't think. I think this is very much like a marriage of convenience yeah and we I, talked about that remember yeah, and you said yeah. that and i kind of started to agree after i, I and then i think holly more. in that show started to become emotional and then you see what mickey's like when he's like this is how all my exes treat me i was like oh shit he went and dug that well you never bring up your exes in a fight with your girl what are you 21 like, well, are you, you ignoring are me and he's like i am now yeah yeah oh amazing yeah yeah he's cold mickey he's has to basically cold. win every single comp or at least be not on the block from here on out. Anybody with if, two cents is not going to take it. If he loses end. anything, he's fucked. Holly but here's the thing. Him. He might not lose anything. That's the other thing. So the competition that I think is coming up next for the veto is the one where they swing on the swing and they have to look at the... at the Yeah, that's the, the BB Comics. Julie said that's coming up next. Oh, they did? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Here I thought I was like some sort of Notre Dame and I'd... He actually <laughs> she said, said at the end of the double eviction, she said... And next Wednesday, it's the return of BB Comics. Let me be. Let me be completely honest. On Thursday, we, me, I, I helped Jr. win another trophy this week, and um, I got home, uh, and this bottle of scotch I had won was half done. I kind of got into one, and uh, I'm, I had to rewatch <laughs> the Thursday episode <laughs> on Sunday because I didn't remember what happened, and so I fast. I didn't. I didn't get to the end of that. Part. Um. So quickly, <laughs> let's say who's your pick to win now, knowing what we know. I'm still going to... I mean, I've been saying Tommy since the start of the season. Yeah. I think now he's hooped. Well, he's just got to win a veto. He's right? got to win. Yeah, he's not going to win. I think Mickey's going to, like, bust through the wall, bench press the house, solve a Rubik's Cube in 12 seconds. I, I would... It's his show to lose. Yeah. Th- this is my final. It's going to go... Final three will be Holly, Mickey, and Cliff. Cliff will take Holly because he'll win it. Or Mickey... No, no, no. I'm sticking with this. Cliff will take Holly... It'll be them sitting final two, and Cliff will win it. Oh, that'd be the best. I think. I love Cliff, but I just feel like with his social game and his ability to kind of interact with anybody, I think that he's going to be one of the next out. Has anyone in the history of Big Brother gone on the show, thought of as a goof, and comes out like a king like that? I don't think so. I don't think anyone's ever had their like, How reputation about his, uh, get better. His, his cellies? And I then with money but, dance. So he's doing he, the he dance. He had one so long he forgot how to do it. She comes around the corner, immediately stops, and is like, there, 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 there. Like he he was celebrating, but he wasn't gloating. Like Cliff he's is the best. Um is. I, I think Mickey would be my pick right yeah. now. If you yeah. like gave me money to put on it, it I would probably feel like it's Mickey just because 
I think he's going to get to the end and it won't be a scenario like Paul or Dan where they have a bunch of enemies and he's backstabbed a lot. I think like Jack in the jury house like almost feels bad enough about the way things ended with him and Mickey that he'll give him his vote. Yeah. Him and Nick are good. I think him and Chris yeah. are still good. He's got he's got too many friends in the jury house at this point to lose and he's too dominant. He won so much that him being a dick became irrelevant because yeah. he was just never on the block. Yeah. But I can also see him getting overconfident thinking that he's going to come through with a clutch win and then falling flat yeah. on his face. I don't know, man. Like if you watch as the season goes on and was it who said that like he make coffee for people and yeah, like, for people. But it was like, Nick. Oh, that, that was, was like, Nick. Yeah. yeah, if you see when, when Nicole wins yeah, Mickey has like upped his psychopath game by four oh, or five notches. He's the first notches. one over there. He's the first one over, and he's like he has gotten during nicer. the letter, during the letter, rubbing yeah. her back. Yeah, yeah, I love those little tiny nuances. Yeah. Like when 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 Cliff is just a good dude, but yeah, when they sat down to read the letter, yeah. and Mickey was like rubbing her back, and then Holly's like, oh, "What the fuck's going on here?" So I went and sat next to Mickey. Mickey had to even get closer to Nicole. Like, he's like, was, he's like you want me to bang a third girl on the season? <laughs> yeah. <look. laughs> um. But out of the last seven comps that he's played in, I think he's won six or six. five. Yeah, six. Like, Tommy won the veto, and yeah. that's it. And that's it, man. It's oh, it's sorry. And Nicole won that head. Yeah, also. so but five out of five out of the last seven comps that he's been in, he's won. That's if Nicole staggering. had put him up because he couldn't do shit because yeah. it was double eviction night. That was their last chance to get rid of. Yeah, all it really was. It Jackson, was the- Mickey. So there you go. I think I just convinced you guys all that it's going to be Mickey, not Cliff, right? It would be kind of funny though if <laughs> yeah, like, he no. does win and then when he comes I'm out into the real world, he takes that shit storm that's coming. But he'll have 500K. It would be amazing if he won Chalmers and then pulled his mask off Mission Impossible style and flexed his spanks and his gut fell out and Cliff had become Mickey during the season. Do you think they have the I thought you were going to gonna say it was Paul. <gasps> oh. The beard just goes sprawling. Yeah. Yeah. How terrible was Swaggy C? Oh, he's the worst. Who cares about these people? Like, <laughs> we moved him. to LA. I did, I did uh, hate him too cares? much. And we're still engaged. And did you see when Mickey hugged him and almost knocked him over? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't hug me that hard, Bailey says. These two. Why did they bring this back? The only person I want to see bring back is for the final round table with the jurors, Dr. Will. Dr. Will's the best. Dr. Will, I, I wouldn't mind seeing part. my boy JC brought back. I'd like to see JC Mike was Boogie great. too. Mike Boogie was the best. Mike but you know what? Boogie. I was thinking about Dr. Will. Like, I was watching uh, some highlights from his seasons that he was on, you know, that's one and two. 15 years mm-hmm. ago at this point. He would have taken a lot of shit if that was in today's climate. For sure. And he now looks hilarious because he's a plastic surgeon and he has gotten high in his own supply. Mm. He is froze. And he, the one season that he won, he told everybody exactly what he was yeah. doing and said, I'm lying to you right now. And then did exactly he's that. He's the like, best player was, I think in BB. I, th- I thought so too. You and, guys and they, have to vote me out. You ever watch that season? Yeah, yeah. If you don't vote and me out right now, I'll my time. He like goes on the he goes on the block one time in the season two, and he's like, "You guys, you have to vote me out this week. If you don't get rid of me, I'm just going to assemble this crew again and come straight up after you." And they're like, "We're not going to vote this guy out." Then he's like, "Why are these people voting so me out?" Said, he would tell going, everybody he hates them yeah, like yeah. point blank to their face. He cut his own showman's in one of the most cutthroat <laughs> shit I've ever seen. <laughs> Oh, he's the best. All right. I think that's a good spot to end it. Thank you for listening, for Bagged Milk, for Wanye Chalmers, Jay, who's in Amsterdam, and also... Sean Lavin. Sean Sean Lavin. Lavin. Thank you for tuning in. thanks for coming down and dealing with our bullshit. (laughs) Episode 138, Nation Real Life, is over. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.